You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. You'll also find on on our website uh, the video of two ships colliding in the Welland Canal over the weekend. And this is such a bizarre piece of video. I highly recommend you uh, take a peek at it on the website. Uh, and it, because it almost seems to be happening in slow motion, uh, the way it all goes down. Uh, Alex Stewart witnessed and recorded the collision, and he is with us now. Alex, thanks for the time. Hope you're doing well. Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing well, thank you. So tell us what happened. What were you doing, and, and at what point did you realize something was terribly wrong here? Um, so what happened is I went to the canal with uh, my buddy because it was his birthday weekend, and he has the app on his phone that tells him, like, where the boats are. Right. And he was, he's like, hey, there's two boats going to pass each other. Do you want to go watch it? And decided to go with them and watch it and it it got pretty bizarre i'd say so you were there and and it, you saw them both approaching from a distance did you think anything was abnormal at this point uh when they were originally approaching each other it looked like they were both on opposite sides so i'm like okay they're just gonna cross each other whatever and then as they got closer it seemed like they both got closer to the middle of the canal when did you realize that they were going to collide? Or did you think they would miss each other? Uh, I don't really know what to think at that point, because, like, I've never been to the canal to watch the boats, but my buddy always does it, so he invited me, and I'm, I was just thinking it was just going to be two boats passing each other, and then... Yeah. How far away were you from the boats when when this happened? You looked like you were relatively close. Uh, I was basically just on the shoreline, basically. So, what was there any sort of uh, warning? Was there any sort of horn? Did did it look like they were doing anything to try to not hit each other? Uh, the sounded like they called it a panic alarm. Yeah. So once that went off, started recording my video. So obviously they knew that something was going to happen here. So what was it like when they actually hit? What was the impact like? It was an impact you could feel in your chest for sure. Really? Oh, yeah. And what did your friend say? Well, my friend, he also has a video up, but... He kind of made his private because he was getting so many, like, friend requests and all that. Wow. So there's actually only two videos out there of this crash, and that's mine and my buddy's. And uh, how many how many hits have you had for this video? Any idea? Um, on Twitter, we reached a million yesterday. On Facebook, I reached a million this morning. Really? And has anybody asked for this video, uh, this this footage? Uh, or or anybody anybody asked you to, uh, from an investigation standpoint, ask you as a witness, like, what did you see? Uh, anybody talk to you about this? So we've been on, like, CHDH. Uh, I've had three radio calls already today. And um, the first message I received by anyone was, like, the water safety board or something like that right 
for the footage and what I thought happened. What about after the impact? Like, what happened after the ships hit? What what went on? Um. So the red boat actually put a hole in the black boat underwater. So the black boat was kind of slowly sinking, and the red boat basically kept going till the next port. And the black boat went back. I want to say maybe two kilometers to an old port that hasn't been used in like 50 years or something like that. Wow. So any idea what these ships were carrying? Um, the red boat I've been told was carrying wind fine, like wind turbine parts. Right. And the black one had coal. So any, uh, any damage to the canal that you know of any spill or anything of that nature that you're aware of? Uh, nothing that I'm aware of. So, uh, how would you describe your first experience of watching two ships passing? Well, it's definitely one I'm going to remember. Wow. Uh, what a, what a bizarre story. Uh, so was there a lot of panic or commotion after the impact? Uh, not really. It was just basically both boat crewmen went to see like what the damage was. Incredible story. All right, Alex, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. No problem. Thank you for having me on here. Alex Stewart has been with us, uh, witnessed uh, and recorded the video of the two ships colliding in the Welland Canal, and, of course, you can see it on our website. Let's bring in Captain Colin McNeil, uh, who teaches and coordinates Georgian College's Marine Navigation and Marine Engineering Program, and is with us now. Colin, thank you for the time. Hope you're doing well. Hi. Uh, no problem. I'm, uh, I'm glad to help out. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, you know, I, I think just even as uh, as a layman looking at this, I'm thinking, my goodness, as an expert, what are your thoughts? What thoughts runs through your mind when you see this footage? Well, the first thing, it's, uh, it's obvious to me, it's the most important thing is there's no loss of life, right? Absolutely no loss of life and, and no pollution, uh, and that's the first two big things that come to mind as a, you know, a former Marine professional and a current, uh, uh, you know, instructor and, and kind of manager in the Marine industry. That first first thing that comes to mind is, was everybody okay? Because when we all leave uh, our home to go away to our ship mm. to do our work, we, uh, we want to return home safely. So no loss of life and no pollution. Um, when, you know, when the investigators come to look at what happened, obviously, if there's no loss of life and no pollution, then the, the urgency and the immediacy of everything is that the ships are pulled off to the side, uh, inspections and investigations start, but, but no, nobody's taken off in a body bag, and there's no pollution, no fire, nothing like that. So that was obviously the first thing that came to mind. Um, and then after that, it's, uh, you know, we start to look at, uh, at some of the factors that are involved, and... Um, you know, you, you look through the who, what, when, where, and then you try to figure out from there what, what the why was. Um, you know, from what I can tell, uh, the uh, Florence Spirit is a Canadian flag vessel with Canadian captain and crew on board, and the Atlantis would have been a foreign vessel coming from Europe or something, uh, and it would have a Canadian pilot on the bridge. So um, um, two ships that are that are really designed to run the canal uh, with competent officers and competent crew and competent pilots, uh, and they're in the St. Lawrence 
Seaway um, and the Welland Canal. The Welland Canal and the St. Lawrence Seaway are really well-managed, professionally managed, world-class organizations that manage the, the traffic, ships traffic, day and night, uh, good visibility, poor visibility, uh, all of those things. So, uh, so as good as conditions as you'll find anywhere in the world, really, for two ships passing uh, in a canal like that. Um, you know, what was the weather at the time? The weather was clear, uh, wind, it wasn't very windy, so it didn't look like, uh, you know, it looked like the ships could see each other, they communicate, they weren't being blown off course into each other. Uh, so when you look at all of those factors right away, it looks like everything should be business as usual and should be normal, right? And then after that, you kind of start to think about what the causes might be. So uh, common for two of these ships this size to be passing each other at this point in the canal. That's a normal process, correct? Yeah, those ships are actually small ships for the capacity of the seaway. Um, it looked to me like the, the, the Atlantis was a regular, called more or less a handy-sized cargo ship, which is smaller than the seaway capacity. But I, I could be wrong on that. And the Florence is a little smaller than what normally passes through the seaway, so they would have plenty of room. Uh, that section of the, of the canal is uh, is a little wider section there, apparently, and it's uh, it's it's a normal passing zone. Um, there should be plenty of room for both ships to pass there. So, is this a case of somebody not staying in their own lane? Well, that's uh, not something I'm going to give you an opinion on. Uh, the Transportation Safety Board of Canada has sent their inspectors there, and they'll come up with what the answer was. Um, I. I it won't take long, right? Um, you got to kind of remember ships like this have, uh, they don't stop easily and they don't turn easily in yeah. open sea uh, where you've got lots of depth beneath the keel and you've got lots of water around you to maneuver and you've got your engines and everything working fully. Uh, in a narrow canal like that, there would probably be a meter or two below the keel, uh, below the bottom of the ship. Uh, which kind of limits maneuverability a little bit, and there wasn't much room, obviously, on the port and starboard side, plus there's another ship in the way. Um, so there, the, like, smaller vessels and tugs, you can, you know, you can stop quickly. You don't have the, the weight of the ship carrying you forward for momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if everything is working properly, maneuvering the ships and getting them stopped in the event of an emergency at the last minute like that is just not going to happen. Um, um so, sorry, go ahead. Uh, my my thought is it it'll be obvious to the TSB what happened. It, it's probably either you know either human error, something went wrong, and and um, it, that'll be evident, uh, or it'll be uh, mechanical. Um, uh, that was my next question, and obviously I understand you you can't comment on this because we certainly don't know the details of the investigation at this point. But could it have been something like a mechanical issue? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, these ships have, have main engines that, that uh, run uh, propellers, right? In the simplest term, the propeller turns and then water is pushed past uh, the rudder. Uh, as the rudders turn to the right or turn to the left, the vessel uh, gradually turns to the right or turns to the left. Uh, and they've also generally got a bow thruster, which allows at slow speed, uh, less than four knots for the bow to be pushed to the one side or to the other uh, while docking and maneuvering and things like that. Uh, if all of those things were working on both ships, then you know, then you kind of look at okay, what happened? Was there an error in maneuvering? Uh, so on and so forth. Uh, if 
if you know if there's evidence there that the ship blacked out or that it lost power to the steering gear or to the main engines, bow thrusters, all the you know or, or the other navigational equipment, then that will be clear, right? It will happen or it won't. Right. Um, so I mean, it, the TSB inspectors will go and, and and those things will you know the evidence will be collected and and in my opinion, it'll be quite clear as to what happened or what was the root cause. Uh, if, they uh, find if they find it's mechanical, then they'll look further and say, okay, what, you know, what caused it? Was there a problem here or not? But uh, I don't think it'll be difficult to determine what the exact acute cause of the collision was. Uh, obviously, for those of us that, that don't know much uh, about, the, you know, what it's like up at the, uh, uh, on the bridge of a, of a boat this size, at what point would both captains realize that something was going wrong? Would they be in communication with each other? Yeah, the, uh, the the entire St. Lawrence Seaway, basically from about 200 miles off the coast of Canada, right through the entire Canadian uh, seaway system, uh, ships are in contact with both each other and the uh, shore authorities who are managing traffic flow, uh, right from, you know, from Newfoundland, right through to British Columbia on both coasts and the Arctic. Every ship is known, it's tracked, um, and if you know, say, for instance, two ships were to, in the middle of Lake Ontario, were to be heading on a collision course, uh, you know, the the authorities wouldn't have called them. But if they got closer and closer, there might be a call there just to say, hey, somebody better pay attention here. The, you guys appear to be in a collision course. So they're always being monitored uh, like that. So uh, in terms of whether the captains of, on the bridge and the pilot were in communication all the time, absolutely, yes, they would be. Um you know, if it was a mechanical failure, then, um, you know, as soon as one of the ships had that failure, they would have uh, contacted the other ship immediately to let them know. Uh, and then, you know, avoiding action would be taken. It'd basically be constant communication back and forth between the two ships and the, and the canal, really. Um, but at the end of the day, it's between the bridge of one ship and the bridge of the other as to what the maneuvers will be uh, to try and either miss each other or, uh, in this case, perhaps even to try and minimize the damage. Uh, uh, that's my, That was my next question. I mean, obviously, for us, this looks like it's all happening in almost slow motion, but, ob- you know, a different scenario on the bridge. Um, would any would the other captain, or I guess it, it, until we know exactly what happened, we're not sure what captain we, we would be referring to here, but would one see it coming and then in some way try to prepare and what would you? How would you prepare for that? For that impact? Well, I mean, to minimize the damage, you'd like to have like two ships passing, and then kind of have a glancing blow, right? You know, your two cars, and you just bump yeah. your doors, and you scratch the doors as you go by, and there's no more damage than that, right? But in this case, um, in this case, they were colliding head on. And ships are kind of like a bunch of boxes that are welded together, right? And the boxes mm. contain cargo, and the front end of the ship there's a um, it's called a forepeak and it's a big ballast tank and and you can think of it kind of as a crumpling area like a car where the where the two bumpers would crumple and they would absorb all the energy on the impact and mm-hmm. then they kind of stop right so at slow speed in the canal like like the two ships were progressing at quite slow speeds and those those bows really absorbed a lot of the energy for that collision and they were both hold. Uh, I think the Florence Spirit looks like in pictures ladder that it's down by the head. So the you know the bow filled up with water and the weight pushed the bow down. 
uh, and, and, you know, hopefully no water got into the cargo holds, things like that. Um, the other ship looked like it's a little less damaged. Um, but, um, yeah, so, I mean, ideally that's what you want. If you have, you see ships at sea and one of them hits broadside onto the other, much like, uh, at an intersection when you have two cars colliding, yeah. then a lot more damage can occur, pollution can occur, uh, things like that. Uh, if you're at high speed, mind you, in the middle of the ocean and two ships hit, hit out about, the damage would be catastrophic. Um, so I think that, uh, in a lot of ways, the... Uh, two ships kind of colliding head-on there, or almost head-on, was uh, at slow speeds really, you know, minimizes a lot of the damage and allowed both of the ships to progress to the docks and uh, and tie up and wait for inspection. So, so would this have slowed down traffic through the canal at all? Yeah, absolutely. It, it uh, you know, if the ships had not been able to move on, you know, to uh, to lay by berths and wait, then they would have blocked traffic, uh, you know, possibly for days. Uh, it does happen once in a while in the St. Lawrence River where a ship will, you know, will be, you know, in a bad spot in the river, aground, or, or I think even a bridge uh, recently, and that just shuts down traffic. Uh, no one else can get by. What would it like? What would it have been like to be on one of these two ships when this collision occurred? What would that impact be like? Well, I'll, I, I teach navigation in very high-class simulators, uh, world-class simulators at Georgian, and every time I do a tour, people ask me, what happens when there's big waves and what happens when you collide? And my answer is always, we teach you not to do that at Georgian College. Mm. <laughs> um, so uh, luckily, I don't know what the answer is to that question, but it would be, you know, if, if the last minute or so you realize that two ships are going to collide, then... You know, the two captains take over and they start, you know, giving orders. They turn the general alarms on and they, you know, try and reduce the impact by either steering to one side or the other or by reducing the speed of the vessels as quick as possible. You know, and some other factors, you know, making sure there's nobody up on the bow, um, you know, things like that. Anything you can do. And you only have 30 seconds, really, by the time you figure it out, get a chance to react and, and, and to get anybody to move. And although it seems like it's in slow motion, that was the fastest, you know, mm. 60 seconds of anybody on board's life at that point. I can imagine. Uh, Captain Colin McNeil has been with us, teaches and coordinates Georgian College's Marine Navigation and Marine Engineering programs. Uh, Colin, thanks so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. No problem. Have a fantastic day. You too. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.